Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at borocitychurch.com. That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at borocitychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Yeah, well, good morning, church. It's a privilege for me to be here. Uh, like Dustin said a couple of years ago, I had the privilege of receiving a team. Actually, uh, there was a group from uh, um, Sunny Church, and, and Dustin and, and Philip came. And uh, sometimes it takes me a while to get to know the people that come, you know, with, with every team. And, and Dustin is one of those that sometimes it takes you a little longer to get to meet. You know, he's, he's observing, he's quiet, he's... And uh, and I remember finally when we got to talk a little more, and I asked him, and I said, uh, "So wh- wh- where are you from?" And then he started with this difficult word to pronounce, Murfreesboro. <laughs> and I'm like, "The borough of Murfrees, right? Something like that." And then I said, "But what church do you come from?" And uh, he was like, uh, "He says City Church." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. This is City Church. Where do you come from?" They're like, no, City Church. And so we realized that we, our churches had the same name, right? City Church, City Church. But as we, we got to spend more time together, we realized that we did not only have in common our names, but our passion for, for the gospel. Uh, we we developed a, um, a very nice friendship over the time. I think it has come twice since then. We have received different teams throughout these two years from from the church, and it has been a great experience. I got to see him try to serve. That has been very interesting. And, uh, and then Philip, I don't know Philip, but um, he's going to get married soon, right? Uh, he's marrying a Latina uh, woman, right? And, uh, but you won't believe this. I was so surprised. We were walking through Marranco, which is a very trendy neighborhood in Lima, and there were people playing music, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, Philly jumps and starts dancing in the middle. I'm like, gringo dancing. <laughs> but he did an amazing job. I was very, very surprised. So... I'm going to share with you a little bit about my, my, my background so you get to understand where I'm coming from as, as I'm going to be sharing the Word of God. Uh, but, um, well, I, I have been married with Olga. We have been married for 24 years. It's going to be 25 in March. Uh, she just had ACL surgery. That's why she's on, on the wheelchair for a little bit, a few more weeks. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we have, we have been church planters serving with South American Mission. Uh, we both went to the same college. We studied international business administration. And after uh, we graduated, when we got married, and uh, we were around the motorcycle world. I was racing professionally for Honda, Yamaha. Uh, I know when people see me, they don't think that I'm a motocross rider. But I see, I see myself. I'm taller with my helmet on. It's like an... Uh, and uh, we, we were distributors for Honda motorcycles, so we, everything was around motorcycles. I put up event races. I had a motocross school for kids since they were like four or five years old until they were 15. Uh, I raced. I sold the motorcycles. So I had the whole, the whole motorcycle mafia, uh, everything together. And uh, so that has been kind of part of, a part of our lives. Uh, we planted a church in Pucallpa, which is a city in the Amazon of Peru, in the jungle. We lived there for several, several years. Uh, and then, like five years ago, we 
uh, we felt like God was calling us from from Pucallpa and move back into our city. And uh, that's why we decided to plant City Church. And we felt like God was calling us back to reach out to our friends, our family, and the city where we, where we grew up. Um, so anyway, when I was, I was talking to Dustin and he invited me. He asked me to, to share about uh, what God has been doing in my life. So uh, every time I come to the U.S., uh, after a period of time doing ministry in Peru and being involved in, you know, daily ministry activities like being a church plant and being a pastor, uh, it's, it's amazing how my, my senses become so, uh, so quicker to hear God's voice when I'm away from the stuff that I love so much, you know, and um, uh, just one, one more thing for you to understand where I'm going I visited my oldest daughter in Washington. Uh, she lives in Annapolis. And she comes one of those days that we're talking and she says, Dad, have you heard about the Enneagram? I go, like, the Enneagram? No, what is the Enneagram? And then he's like, do this online testing, five minutes. So I do it, right? And then I realize that I'm, I'm number three. I'm a type three. Some of you are familiar with the Enneagram? It means you're an achiever. Right, so you find usually your identity out of doing things. Right, so you uh, many times uh, feel bad and get depressed very easily when you don't see your goals accomplished. So now I understand a lot about myself. Now I always need to have great goals in front of me, right, to feel that what I'm doing is worth it. That's I think that's why I became a church planter. That's why I plant a church when everything is great. Now I need to move on and start another one. You know, I need these goals in front of me all the time. And that's why I also need the gospel so much in my life to remind me that I'm not accepted because of all the things that I can accomplish, but just for who I am or for, for what Christ has done for me. So like uh, five, or six, five or six years ago, I had this, this encounter with the gospel that was so transformational for my life. You know, I, I always felt that I, I knew this God, I served this God. Uh, I, I, I always tell the people that I became a Christian for the wrong reasons, and I, became, I, I got into ministry for the wrong reasons as well. But it's amazing how God walked with me through the process, despite of my own selfish motivations. When I decided to be a follower of Christ 24 years ago, I did it because I wanted to avoid suffering. And I did it because I wanted to pursue happiness. That's all I wanted. I didn't understand how much he loved me. I didn't understand what he did for me. I just wanted to avoid pain and suffering. And if Christianity was the way of doing it, then I was going to follow Christianity. But God walked with me despite I didn't understand nothing. And then as time went by, I realized that I... I wanted to serve God and this purpose that he had to save the world. I mean, the Great Commission seemed for an achiever like me, like something not only that it was worth to live for, but even to die for. And I became a missionary. I, 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 I went to, to seminary. I started preparing and, and I started serving God. And when I came here like six years ago, and I'm in my desert away from ministry, you know, God speaks very gently but powerful into my life and says, Julio, you have fallen in love with my plan to save the world, but you have not fallen in love with me. And I want you to learn to delight in me more than anything else that you can do. And that has been a journey for five years. 
And uh, we're back in the States again. And uh, again, away from ministry, and my ears get again like super ready to hear what God has to say. And uh, I was doing my, my devotional readings through December and January through the book of uh, uh, Timothy. And, uh, and then I got to chapter 4, and uh, it was just like, like God showing me uh, another important piece. It's important to delight in Him, but not only to delight, but also you need discipline in your life. And that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, so the, the three points that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning as we go through Scripture, so through Scripture, are going to be exactly that. Above else, above anything, to delight in God. Above anything, to delight in God. Second, to discipline yourself to be able to live out according to your convictions. And thirdly, to be able to display the beauty of the gospel. Okay, so if you can open your Bibles in First Timothy, or I think it's it's already it's going to be in the screen. We can read it from there. First Timothy, chapter four. I'm going to read verse four and verse five. It says, "For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by." prayer. You know, when, when I read this, and you try to understand Paul's heart, he's writing to this young apprentice called Timothy, right? And, and one thing that Paul is concerned about, and the reason why he's writing these things, is because inside the church, there were some, some teaching, some false teaching, that were taking people into, into finding uh, or reducing Christianity into just obeying certain rules, they were reducing a relationship with God to live out certain traditions, to do certain things, and not to do certain things. These people were finding more delight in the obedience of the things that they considered necessary to be a good Christian than delighting in the God that created all things good for you to enjoy. Now, I think... One of the problems, and uh, when I was reading this text, is the connection that you see in, 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 uh, in this verse, where Paul says, Timothy, everything was created good from God. God created everything good for you to enjoy. Do you remember a verse like this in the Old Testament? Right in Genesis 1, right? That everything was created good. But right next to that, you see the, the commandment from God that above anything, above everything, I don't know how you say that in English. Above everything or above anything? Both? Okay. Above? <laughs> Love God. Love God. More than anything that he had created for you to enjoy. You know, if we don't put that thing in order, whatever is it that you enjoy will end up destroying you. It will become an idol for you, you know. And um, I, I love how Paul starts by putting this very clearly in front of Timothy. Timothy, everything has been created for you to enjoy. Everything is good for you to delight on. But above everything, you need to delight in God. You need to find your ultimate delight in God. Uh, for many years, uh, in the church where I became a Christian and I started 
you know, giving my first baby steps as a Christian, um, the focus was not so much in delighting God. The focus was so much in doing all these rules. Don't do this, don't do that. How you should be living. And I think Paul's concern with this church is that they were doing exactly the same thing. They were just reducing Christianity to a bunch of traditions and rules for you to follow. And everything becomes so dry. Everything becomes so dry. I think we all need to experience this movement from making Christianity only a duty, a heavy thing to carry, and making something to really enjoy and delight in. A few uh, years ago, I was uh, in New York, and we were in a meeting with a group of city leaders from different parts of the world, and uh, the guy that was a speaker was Tim Keller. And uh, Tim was about to retire from being a pastor after so many years. And they asked Tim Keller, and they said, uh, Pastor Tim, what could you tell all these city leaders around the world about how to finish well? There are so many pastors that are not finishing well the race. What would you suggest them? What would be your advice to finish well? And the first thing that he said was, above everything, prayer. Prayer. And then he explained and He said, and when I said prayer, I don't mean praying as a way to get things from God. He, he was not saying praying as a way of feeling better about yourself that you're a good Christian. He said prayer as a way that you learn to delight in God above anything else. Because if you don't get to delight in being with him for who he is, you will always find an excuse why not to be with him. There was always, there's always going to be something more important. Some meeting to attend. Some people that you need to meet. Something that you need to do. There's always going to be something more important than just enjoying and delighting in him. When I, when I came to, to the U.S. this time in December with my wife... I came in my agenda was like, I really want to grow in my capacity to enjoy more God. You know, uh, I've been away from my daily ministry activities. I want to I wanna develop the habit of just enjoying being in the presence with God. Cultivate the spiritual disciplines in my life. And it's funny how God does things, right? The first thing, we come here, my wife has to go to the doctor. They tell her, hey, you don't have an ACL. We need to do surgery. So they did surgery to her. And she's going to be five weeks without being able to put weight on her leg. And me, mister, I think that I'm so important doing church planting and preaching and doing all the things. Like God telling me, we're going to shape you on spiritual disciplines. And one of the first disciplines is going to be to live for your wife. Not to live for your ministry. All these good things that you're doing, I want you to live for your wife, live for your family, pay more attention to your daughters. All the things that are great things, you know, but I, I think at some point I just got my priorities wrong. Again, remember, I fall in love with the plan of saving the world. And God is in this process of, of re reordering my own affections. So, above everything, delight in God. Now, as you spend more time with God and you get to enjoy time with God, you know, so many things change, Right? I mean, just you, you start delighting more in Him. Uh, you have all these emotions of trying that, that you want to surrender your life to Him, just like what we, we were singing, you know? I mean, you, you are everything. I want to live my life for you. I want to give it all for you. 
But then we find that there is a gap between our convictions. You know, when you delight in God, your, your affections change, your priorities change. You, you, you want to really live out the life that God is giving you. But then you find that it's a huge gap between your convictions and the way you actually end up living your life. I don't know about you, but that happens to me. You know, I mean, I, I want to be many times uh, a better follower of Christ. I want to be able to, to live out my faith in a, in, in a more faithful way. But many times I see that there is, there is this battle between my convictions and how I end up many times living my life. And uh, of course, we, we can see it as just like we're not fully redeemed yet. We're in a process. When Jesus will come back, we will finally be like him. Meanwhile, we, ne- we need to learn to live in this fleshly body. That is truth. One day we will be fully redeemed. But it's also truth that we have so much space to grow during this life and be more like Christ. And many times we're not. And that's why I love what the advice that Paul gives to Timothy in, in the second part in this chapter. And uh, let me read that with you. It's in verse 8. And, and Paul tells to Timothy, and he says, Train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, listen, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is very well rooted in the gospel. Timothy believes right. Timothy is called by God. Timothy has gifts. Timothy is like the perfect apprentice. And Paul, his spiritual father and mentor, is telling great Timothy, he's telling them, Timothy, Above all, delight in God. He created everything good for you to enjoy. But, Timothy, you need to remember one thing. That you need to exercise, you need to train yourself for godliness. In, in Spanish, this translation says, exercise yourself for piety. Exercise yourself. I know in Timothy's time, uh, this concept of exercising and athletism was very familiar, right, for the, for, for the Greek, and, uh, and, and they worship the body. Uh, and I see in many ways our culture is not that different today. You know, we, we are very familiar with training, with diets, with taking care of our body, with going to the gym. How, how many of you go actually to the gym? Okay, a good group. How many of you would like to go to the gym, but it's just you're too tired to that? I mean, yeah, or you don't have the time, right? But it's amazing. We live in a culture that we worship the appearance, right? We worship, I mean, feeling right about ourselves. And it's okay. Everything was good. I mean, taking care of our body is good. Try to look good. Try to, try to feel good about ourselves is good. But it's amazing. We can identify this, this figure that Paul is, is saying. It's just like exercising, physical exercise is good. But it's temporal. It's temporal. And the word exercise or the word train comes from the Greek word that has to do with gymnasium, right? It's like going to the gym. Going to the gym is not fun. It takes a lot of sweat 
and sacrifice. And it's amazing all the sacrifice we're willing to do to be fit. I, uh, after many years being a professional athlete, I totally, totally stopped training for years. And I didn't have enough strength to do it again. I was tired. And then one friend took me to a place called Orange Theory in Lima. And I, I did the first class for free. Right? They, they don't charge you the first class. So I took my first class. They made me run like crazy. I was like about to die. Almost like, it was bad. But they pushed me and they made me work hard. I came the next day. I signed up. It was expensive. I said, I'm going to do this one month only. And then I'm going to continue doing it by myself. It was so good for me that I said, you know what? I think I'm going to keep doing this because this is really good for my health. So I started doing it for a year. But it's amazing. People sign up. You need to put like Monday, I'm going to go at 7 a.m. Tuesday, I'm going to go at 9 a.m. You need to set aside your... Um, eh, that. Uh-huh. You need to, you need, people plan their month. You put aside, I'm going to go this day at this time. And then you go and you train and you have the coach screaming at you. And, you're, and nobody gets mad. Train harder, push, all out, come on. And people's like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I, nobody gets mad. And you work out happy. You live tired. You pay. If you don't go to another class, you have to pay a fee, $20 more for not going. And people pay it. They're happy. <laughs> so what Paul is saying is like, delight in God above anything. But don't think that because you delight in him and you have embraced the gospel, you're not going to need to work hard in the process of becoming like Christ and living out according to your convictions. Just like an athlete needs to work hard, you are going to need to train yourself for godliness. And that's the part that many times we don't want to hear. We think that spiritual transformation is something that happens somewhere. I hear, hear, I hear the right truth. Yes, you are saved by grace and grace alone. There's nothing you can do that will make you acceptable or will make you gain favor in front of the Lord. But the process of dominating and training your body to respond is going to be very, very costly. That's why Paul tells Timothy, Discipline yourself, train yourself, exercise yourself as much as an athlete does. I was reading that in order to be a professional in any area of life, sports or whatever, you need about 10,000 hours of work. That's like 40 hours a day. It's a full-time job for 10 years of your life to master any discipline. What in the world makes us think that to be more like Jesus Christ and to learn the disciplines will not take work? Dustin was last year with Lori doing a marriage retreat, and I will never forget that part. I said, we all talk about how, how much sacrifice it requires to learn and master something I don't know what makes you think that marriage is different. Everything that is good and everything you want to enjoy, you have to work to 
learn and, 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 and to be trained. You need to put effort into it. But I don't know. When we talk about marriage, we talk about our relationship with God, we think that discipline is not necessary. Paul is telling Timothy, like Paul is telling you today and he's telling me the same truth. Train yourself. Exercise yourself for godliness. You need to be disciplined. Delight in God is it's, it's the first thing. And I love City Church. It's a gospel-centered church. And they speak about it every single Sunday. Because you need to be your affections need to be reordered again into what is the main thing in your life, right? You need to delight in Him first. You know, the problem is that when you delight in God, but you don't discipline yourself, that is only good intentions. I mean, you, you, you are part of the family of God. You, you, you have been saved by grace. You delight in that truth. But if you don't discipline yourself, everything you're going to have are good intentions, I, I sometimes like to explore um, music. I'm, I'm not very good knowing a lot about the, the, the singers and all that. Uh, I know that's sad being close to Nashville here, right, to say that. I'm, but sometimes I like to explore around uh, that app called uh, Spotify. Right? How, how is it? Yeah, Spotify. And I was, I was just checking music and one of the uh, gen- genres uh, huh? that I like is uh, it's rap. I think rap, some rap is like poetry. It's art. It's people just expressing themselves, right? And uh, some others, of course, they are not art, but a lot of them are. And then I ran into this, this singer that I was hearing for the first time. I thought it was a new guy. And then one of my daughters told me, oh, you haven't heard. It's, it's called uh, Macklemore. Macklemore. And, uh, and there was a song called Good Intentions. And I really recommend you to listen to that song. Okay? I mean, most of them is, is, is good for everybody. Some other parts have a little uh, things that you, you can go beep, beep. <laughs> But most of the songs you can enjoy. But it describes, I, I haven't heard a pastor describe better the reality of human nature. We have all this great, in, we know what we want to be, we know what we want to become, but we just cannot do it. Good intentions, you know. And believe me, if you delight in the Lord, you're a gospel-centered church, but you're not, you're, you don't practice discipline. You don't, you're not willing to commit to discipline yourself. Everything you will get are just good intentions. But at the same time, if you discipline yourself and you don't delight in God first, you're just going to have plain, superficial religiosity. Religiosity. You know, the, the, the Bible, two words that you find in the Bible a lot is obedience and love. Always love comes before obedience. Because we are very quick to jump into obedience. And if we obey without loving, that's not real Christianity. That's not the kind of relationship that God wants to have for you, with you. God wants you to love him first. And then discipline yourself. Train yourself for godliness. Um, I was... I was uh, 
I told you about that I was going to this gym and I developed the habit of uh, running uh, late in life. After 40 years old, I started running. I have short legs, so it takes me longer to run. Okay? But I, I run for the, the whole year almost every day and it became a habit for me. Like I felt bad if I didn't go out running. I couldn't stop running. If I had to travel to the mountains 15,000 feet above sea level, if I had to fly that day to another city, I would, the first thing I would find out if they have a treadmill, can I go running? It's just like something I could not stop doing. That's called a habit. And how bad many times I was feeling like, it's amazing I have developed this habit of one in one year that I cannot live without running. But many times I don't have the same habit in my desire to spend time with God, to read His Word. That's why I came on this trip with that desire. God, I want you to be first. I want to develop this as a habit, that it doesn't matter that I have to see somebody at 6 a.m. in the morning, you have to take a flight today, if I slept late last night, I want to enjoy being in your presence above anything else. That is key. Now, when we talk about disciplines, um, uh, uh, I, th- I think that's also that you as a church are talking about, right? Uh, I found on the refrigerator of, of, of uh, the Walker's uh, family, and they, they had this, this um, paper that was a, a membership, covenant, covenant membership, and it's the first time that I have seen in a membership covenant include the commitment to practice spiritual disciplines. That is not common. You know, and I, I was asking Dustin permission to copy that, incorporate it in our membership, uh, in our membership class in, in Lima. But uh, discipline is so, so important. Uh, now, I love also the process and, and finishing with this fourth four chapter, how it moves slowly from everything was created good for you to enjoy, but above everything, delight yourself in God. And he moves from delight to discipline. But remember, train yourself for godliness. If you don't train yourself, if you don't understand that this will require work and commitment, just like when you go to the gym, you're not going to be able to live out the convictions that you have. You're just going to be full of good intentions. But I love how it moves from there and goes to display the beauty of the gospel. Let's, let's read uh, verse 12 and verse 15 of chapter 4. It says, don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And it it caught a lot of my attention, that word, example. Example. Paul expected Timothy to live a faith that was not a private faith. It was a faith that was going to be public. It was going to be able to be observed by others. We live in a culture that we, we don't want to talk about faith issues sometimes outside the life of the church, right? It's private. It's uncomfortable to talk about these things with other people. Uh, but I love how Paul moves transitionally from delighting to discipline to displaying. And verse 15, he says, practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. I think it's very important that we, we notice this, this, this process because many times when we jump into trying to perform, 
display, live out in a certain way, but we don't have first what is the most important thing, it becomes powerless. If we're more concerned, you know, the, the appearance of what we have, what people will think of us, and actually the, the Bible talks a lot about that. Be, be careful with those that only have appearance of godliness, but don't have the essence behind. In front of the people, you, you, know, you, you know how to conduct yourself so people think good of you, but you know how real you're living your life in the private. And if you really want to know who you are, don't ask who you are when everybody sees you. Ask who you are when nobody's watching. Who you are when nobody is watching. You know, and, and I love how Paul, how Paul guides to Timothy, you know, as an apprentice, delight in him. Discipline yourself, Timothy. Even though you are a real believer, you are a gospel-centered person, you, are, you have gifts, you have abilities, but you're going to need to discipline yourself. But one more thing. When you delight in him and you discipline yourself, you will be able then to display the beauty of the gospel with power. Because if you don't delight in him, you don't discipline yourself, and you try to display a superficial spirituality, it's going to be total, totally powerless. Totally powerless. Um, God wants us to know that the gospel is something that should grow. It doesn't stay static in us. It should, it should produce uh, progress that could be seen by the people. Uh, I want to finish today by, um, by saying, I, I love how Jesus really was an example for us in all these three areas. You know, uh, when you talk about discipline many times, uh, Sometimes we have a reaction towards discipline because we tend to think that um, many other people have practiced disciplines maybe because uh, they wanted to gain favor with God or because they wanted to maybe pay for their own sins. Jesus Christ practiced, Jesus himself practiced discipline. Uh, he practiced solitude. He practiced silence. He practiced fasting. He practiced time alone with his father. And uh, the disciples, the apostles, all of them practiced disciplines. It was part of their life. But at some point, like the nature that we have is to take good things and many times totally take it to the other side to the point that is worthless. One, one friend told me that the church many times, uh, well, my friend told me that he read that Luther said, uh, that the church is many times like a, like a drunk guy trying to sit into a horse. It always goes to one side or it goes to the other side, right? And, and the, the believers, they were so disciplined. They understood that discipline was part of growing in the relationship with God and, and be able to display the gospel. But then others took that discipline and they start running away, living away from the people, going and creating monasteries to live so they won't have interaction. They live in silence. They practice a lot of these disciplines. But the problem was that they were doing it so they will try to gain favor with God or they were trying to, to expiate. How do you say expiate in English? To pay for your own sins. 
So they will, you know, do all kind of things to themselves. But disciplines, they were not bad. Many people use them wrong, but that doesn't mean that they're necessary. So I was reading also how also Luther, during the time of the Reform, he, uh, you know, he, he recognized that salvation is by grace alone, that we cannot gain merit with God. And as a reaction also, most of the disciplines were left behind. I, I don't know if we can go back. Uh, there's one reading uh, that I wanted to share with you. It's from Anthony Sartilanges in a book, The Intellectual Life, that was uh, uh, written in 1934. And I think it de- describes very well this. It says, retirement, you call it retirement, solitude, being alone with God, is the laboratory of the spirit. Interior solitude and silence are its two wings. All great works are prepared on the desert, including the the redemption of the world. The precursors, the followers, the master himself, all obeyed or have to obey one and the same law. Prophets, apostles, preachers, martyrs, pioneers of knowledge, inspired artists of every art, ordinary men, and the men God all pay tribute to loneliness, to the life of silence, to the night. If we want to be able to display the beauty of the gospel, we need to be reminded and we need to commit ourselves to make our greatest delight First of all, in God, more than anything that you can enjoy or do. Delight in God above everything. Discipline yourself for godliness and display the beauty of the gospel. Let's pray.